you cannot be given 40, 50, 60 hours and the stress and the, the, the emotional and physical, mental stress that comes with being a garage owner or a business owner in that fact, yeah. doing something that you don't enjoy or you, it's an arse to go and open the doors and open your gar your garage or your fruit stall or your barbers, whatever it else. So the first yeah. thing for me is you need to be doing something that you love, yeah. right? Uh, the grass is not greener on the other side because every industry has issues. Welcome to Cashflow Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Susan Crichton, and today we've got Andy Saba. Is that how you say your last name, Andy? Saba. That's correct. Yeah, well done. And I'll tell you a little bit about Andy. I've written a little spiel about him. Andy has been involved in the automotive, automotive industry for 35 years. He has owned and managed successful garages since 1994 and has won the prestigious award for the National Independent Garage of the Year. Having sold his business in 2015, he is now running an after-sales consultancy practice working with both retail and after-marketing organisations specifically in the garage sector, and he has launched a series of one-day business training courses specifically for the independent garage sector, which is a unique initiative within the market. And I think this is how he's known as the garage inspector. Is that right? That's him. That's correct. He's a frequent, passionate, keynote industry speaker and writes automotive automotive i have problems saying that business articles so you may be saying to yourself what's he doing on your podcast susan i've known nothing about garages so what's he doing and uh, what are you doing talking to him and i would say to you i have a client who has a garage and he was he's been on one of uh, andy's courses and he was telling me all about it and i just thought i'm sure he has quite a lot of knowledge, insights into business, not just garage-related, but business in general, that my listeners would be interested to hear about. So, first of all, tell us a little bit about your story, your business story. and My business story? Yeah. Gosh, okay, I'll, I'll try and wrap up. 35 years or 36 years in about two minutes. So, <laughs> gosh, where do I start? Okay, so I got into the motor trade literally by chance. It was an industry that I was asked to go in because at school I couldn't read and write and I left with no qualifications. So the motor trade was the right place for you. Now, you know? now tell me, why could you not read or write? I had a, I had a, I never had a very good childhood. All right. Okay. So I came from a very troublesome upbringing so okay. yes so it was very I was the only child and it was very very difficult okay uh, okay yeah so we leave it we leave it as that yes so you were um, good with your hands I didn't even know that but I was told <laughs> the garage industry was the right industry for you so I got involved in the garage industry started working learning my trade and at 23 24 I bought a little van a little fiesta van couple of hundred pounds put some tools in there and i started working in the streets and i was knocking on doors every time i saw a car that was broken down and someone on the lay bar i'd stop by and try and help them yeah 
And then before you know it, I managed to, um, with the help of, of my then father-in-law, who who put me down, who put himself as a guarantor, I found um, a little little sort of workshop. And then my business life began. I moved three times within about a 12, 13-year period, growing all the time, but still had no idea about business acumen, nothing like nothing nothing to do with finance very focused about customer excellence and customer care but it sounds like you had the entrepreneurial spirit yes i mean uh, if, I, if, if you're sort of looking and saying well look there's somebody that's broken down i'll go there's a car that doesn't look right i'll go and i'll go it. and it, 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 you needed a lot of courage to knock on people's doors and say look you yeah. know And in them days, you could work in the streets a bit more easier than what you can now. I mean, you can't do that now. And I I, I was fairly successful in in ninety in the late nineties. We won the the first ever Garage of the Year award, which was held at the Hilton Hotel. Quite prestigious for me, you know. Really an accolade from from where I sort of came from. And then and was your was your your sort of did you have business acumen at that stage where you sort of going I think I'm I think, making money and I know how I'm making money yeah I I, 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 I don't sort of, think I had I don't I think I must have had some kind of business acumen but I wouldn't call it business acumen at that stage you yeah know? okay and I just I just knew how to deliver service and and look after people's needs and expectations and the business that we the reason why we won that award was because. I, I I started to, to have a fleet of courtesy vans for for commercial businesses, because my builder had broken down in one of his vans, and bless him, Alan Saunders is not with us anymore, and it caused him so much ha- ha- hassle. And I thought, you know what? If I had um, a van to give him, you know, he'd be able to get the van in and, and maintain it, you know, regularly, and he won't have to break down. Yeah. So, so I went and bought a transit van and I, and I said to him, Alan, from now on, you're going to bring it in twice a year. We're going to service it. I'm going to give you a van to use. And before you know, within 18 months, we had 14 vans. Wow. We had fridge vans, roofers vans. It just became the business just went from here to here simply by offering. So you saw a gap in the market. A, a van to, 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 you know, business customers. And that's what won us the award. It was a, you know, unique offering. Yeah. And then we moved that business to a sort of uh, a, a fairly larger place in, when was that? In 2001, 2002, literally about a year after we won the award. And this was still just you? Yes. Always man. Always me. All right. We had staff as such, but it yes, was Yes, there was about, you. yeah, eight, eight, nine of us. So, you know, lots of hours. I still didn't really understand business as in business. Yeah, we were making a bit of money, but I didn't understand the metrics of the garage industry. And then and then in 2005, I I sold my business. Someone came knocking on the door, like I'd sold the previous three. Yeah. So I never actually set out to sell them. No. They were attractive to people. And every time I sold, I, I sort of moved on to a bigger place. Anyway, in 2005, this chap knocked on the door, I want to buy your business. We've done a deal. I had the freehold at that time. And we we let we 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 give them a lease. And I decided to go and educate myself at the grand age of 40. So who done I, you? Who done yeah, you? So I enrolled on a degree course at Loughborough University and I did automotive. You 
You've just told me that you didn't read or write. So how the bloomin' hell did you get from well, reading or writing to enrolling in a degree course? Well, I'll explain to you. I did, um, so I enrolled on this automotive retail management course, which was basically for, it was basically for retailers, what we call franchise dealers, not for independents. Okay. I remember turning up at Loughborough University, you know, first couple of days, introduction to automotive and, uh, you know, whatever we had our lecture and then i was given an assignment to do which was like 500 words for three there were three questions and it was 500 words each okay anyway so i come home i went and bought a dictionary pen and paper i couldn't put a sentence together for love or money right no no anyway a friend of mine comes around he said what are you doing i said i'm doing a Doing a, doing, tr trying to trying to educate myself. I just think this is fantastic. He, he goes, "What are you doing with a dictionary?" I said, "What do you mean? What I'm doing with a dictionary? I, I need the dictionary to help me put the words together." He goes, to "Me, there's word, you know." I said, "What?" He said, "There's word." I said, "What's right. that?" He goes, "Where's where's the house? Where's the house PC?" So where this old IBM like whatever yeah. went on it, and it was like what? Well, spell check. <laughs> where where did this? Where did this world appear? And I didn't, I didn't know about this world. Yeah. So obviously, you know, I realised that I didn't need a dictionary and and I was struggling still. So I rang up the university and I spoke to one of the key lecturers. I'll never forget his name, Mark Kirkpatrick. I said, Mark, it's not for me, mate. This is like above my head. He goes, no, no, you're the first ever independent to come and sit on this course. We're not going to let you fail. He goes, yeah. you come and see me and I'll spend some time with you. So I went up there. And he, he, he had some old, um, he got some old assignments out and he told me about mythology and he, he sort of guided me. And you know what? He supported me for the first two or three assignments that I had to do because the assignments got larger and larger as you went on and done your modules. Yeah. And um, it was very challenging for me, but I I had, you know, I was determined to, to, to complete it. There was 14 in the class. I must tell you another little bit of the story because at the beginning, I think it was the second module or something, third module. So you, you would do like there was 15 modules plus three additional ones which you selected plus your end of year, your, your sort of project. And there were about five, 6,000 words each after. Anyway, so we, we were given a reading list. So I assumed that you had to buy all the books in this reading list, right? Oh, God, Yes. So I get this reading list, which is about four or five pages long. So I come down to the local Waterstones in North London, walk in. I said to this chap, see this list? I want these books. Oh, my God. He looks at the list. He goes, no, sir, this is a reading list, which you just like, you get one book here and one book here. And I said, listen, Gov, I'm the customer. I've been told I need to get, <laughs> I need to get all these books, right? Yeah. So he starts going through the list. He goes, some of these books ain't available. You're like, you'll have to get them on Amazon. I said, what's that? So I didn't, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Oh, my God. In, in, in the end, I said to him, you know what? Here's my credit card. You get as many books as you can. Ring me when you, when, when you get them in. Anyway, two, three weeks later, he gives me a call. A lot of the books are in. Go with it. I must have had about four or five boxes of books. I couldn't wait to get back to uni for the next module to find out everyone was getting on with their books. Obviously, yeah. the life and stock of the class. You know, if anyone wanted the book, just come to Andy. Andy's got all the books. Yeah. And that sort of broke the ice between me and... The, know, rest the, the, the rest yeah. of the group, because I was a bit isolated because they all came from a franchise network. Anyway, I completed the group. I completed my my my, my three year three just over three years. There was only four of us that completed out of the fourteen. What did you do with the books? 
Did you keep I've still, got, I've still got you want any? I've got loads. I've got <laughs> about four bookshelves of books here. So um during that period though, Susan, what was quite interesting was what happened was one of the chaps in there, a chap called Brian Ames, used to have a Nissan dealership in Thetford in Norfolk. So after about a year, he goes to me, listen, my service department's not doing well. You're a really interesting guy. Can you come in and have a look for me? Oh wow. So I said, I'm all right. And he goes to me, you charge me. I said, I'm not going to charge you. This has been an experience for me. Yeah. So I went in there, you know, I didn't have no template, no idea, right? I didn't know what I was going to find, what I was going to do. To cut a long story short, I spent six months with him, turned his service department around. He tells another friend of his who's running a Renault-Nissan dealership in Kings Lynn, so about another hour down the road, Robert Swan, Swan Motors, get a call. Brian's told me all about you. Can you can you come into mine? So I went into his, done the same sort of thing, but obviously I charged him. Yeah. Now these were supposed to be, so yeah. So these were supposed to be the gods of our industry, like you know, yeah, retailers are the best. And what what happens is that um through Robert Swan, who was sitting as a representative on the Renault Nissan Council for all dealers around the country, yeah. he put my name forward to the Renault Nissan Institute in Hertfordshire. I said, you, you, he said to him, you send all these guys that come around to support us. They ain't got a clue what they're doing. I, I found this geezer, his name's Andy, and he's changed my world. You need to speak to him. So I went for an interview and I got some consultancy work. So for two and a half years, I was visiting the worst Renault Nissan dealers around the country and also other franchises where the dealer groups had other mates and, and brands that they were supporting. And tell me, how oh. did you know how much to charge them? Um... I didn't. I just plucked a figure out of the air that sounded about right. All oh, right, okay. And they right. seemed okay with it, were they? Well, they seemed very okay with it. So obviously it was a bit cheap. But anyway, it, it it was knowledge for me and it was experience and it was adding my practical experience, good and bad, and the new theory that I was learning. Yeah. It became quite powerful for me. And that, that sort of two, three-year period, Susan, actually motivated me to go and start probably the best garage that I've I, I started, which was Brunswick. And because I thought these dealers were the best, but I yeah. found them even more inadequate than most independents because they had all the resources and infrastructure not to fail, yet they were failing every day, both yeah. of their team members, their staff, and also their customers, their paying customers. So I found the place. It was a big transaction property in North London. We purposely built a workshop. We did 30,000 square feet. We split the building into two. We put a parts factory next door, and the birth of Brunswick Garage was in 2010. Now, tell me, how did you find about financing that? Okay, so uh, we were lucky because we had we had the freeholds of the garages that we sold. Yeah, so that helped us. But I had to bring a property investor in because it was a five and a half million pound deal in 2010 when the recession was like, you know, yeah. if you wanted to borrow a pound from the bank, you needed to have ten. Yeah. But once I showed the deal to the property developers, they were in. Okay, you know, but there, it was a long out process because we had to get planning. The uses weren't right, and um, after nine months, we succeeded, and, and Brunswick Garage was born. And basically, Brunswick Garage was the birth of of really where probably the garage inspector began because I ran a garage very different to what other garages had been running to in in terms of independence. I went head to head with the dealers. It was a magnificent facility, and we I assembled what I call the A team. I had a brilliant team. Because right. I can't do it on my own. And I forgot to tell you that while I was doing this work at Nissan and Renault for the Institute, I got access to the Nissan factory in in um, 
in Sunderland. Right. And I managed to complete my uh, Six Sigma and Lean uh, and Kaizen. I got my black belt, which took about eight, nine months. And that new mythology I brought into the garage. So process, yeah. eliminating waste, all that kind of stuff, production sort of mythologies. And um, Brunswick Garage was a success. A very no, a success. Let me, let me be ignorant and say Nissan is Japanese. Yes. Okay. So, so there's a Japanese culture that you. Yes. Brought. So yes. Yeah, so there was there's a mythology called Kaizen, which is K A I Z E N. I think I've just read about this. Is this about changing things? Yes. A little bit at a time. A little bit. Yeah. And then bit. you built. Oh, now this is really interesting yeah. because this is what I'm really interested in. Yeah. Saying to my clients, you do one percent at a time. Yeah. And that one percent eventually. Yeah. Accumulates and yeah. it gets. It's like yeah. how you eat an elephant yes. one bite at a time. So my, my, one of the mythologies that I teach in 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 in, in when we run that specific course is you pick a hundred things and improve them by one percent rather than picking one thing and improving it by hundred because yes. it's not sustainable. The other way is. Yeah. Anyway, so we put all these mythologies and it became very successful, right? Within about 18 months, I started writing articles. I got approached by magazines. I started doing presentations because we did something revolutionary. And, you know, my name got was started to get around in our sector. And then in 2000... And this was still no particular idea about business acumen? No, now we had, now we had a good understanding. Okay. Had a, I had a great understanding because I did, did my theory. I got my accountant more involved with me than ever before Good. because I wanted him to learn about me, about my specific business and use his skills to teach me about other matters that I was weak on. So I was doing my own accounts using Sageline 50. I understood nominal codes. I started to measure my business in a way that had never been measured by anyone before. No. Right. You know, so I really understood about marketing. I understood about, you know, leading teams people management, so all, we brought all that to the table and and we had a great business. And in 2015, I got approached by BMW UK and also a huge national tyre wholesaler to sell the business. And I sold the business within three months of that approach, but I sold it to my parts factor who was next door to me in the end. Okay. Uh, and I left and I left in 2016. And then... And the then the, the relationship with the property investor, he was paid off at that stage, was he? He was paid off because when we got the planning, right? when we got the planning for the site, which was 90,000 square feet, we split it into three units, 30, 30, 30. So I took my one, they took their own one, and the middle one we shared. Okay. So once we got the planning for the uses that we asked for, the property values went up, doubled overnight. Okay. They sold, they sold, their one within six months, got all their money back, and then we sold the middle one together and, and got some money back from that. So they were, very, they were very, very happy. And obviously I had my unit, you know. We sold it in 2016. We gave the, the parts company a lease. And then I, I didn't know what I was going to do apart from wanting to stay in the industry. And I started getting phone calls from garages saying, you know, I've read about you, you've seen you, you've done a little bit, you know, can you come in and help me? So I started going around these garages, helping them. And what I noticed very quickly was the things that I used to suffer with in my early days, yeah. these people were suffering. Yes. Particularly finance and, and just general business acumen. So I thought, 
well, how am I going to help them? Well, I thought, you know what? I'm going to write a course. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to put a course together and I'm going to run it. And that's how it all began. And it took me nine months to run, to 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 write the, the finance course. And then it took me another six months to do the marketing and another six months to do the other ones that I've had. So I've got four one days now, which we we, we, we we run around the country. And then really the Garage Inspector name came out of the blue. So I've got a very um I've got a very good friend called Yanni who runs a company called Yanni Mize. He's he does like vehicle customizations and wraps. Right. And he did a TV program on Sky about four or five years ago. And he goes, Whatever happens, I want you on the I want you on the show. And I said, Yanni, I don't really want to be on there. He goes, No, I want, even if you're on there for 30 seconds. <laughs> said, okay. So we turned up for the filming at his at his unit, and the 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 the, the directors or the editors or whatever you want to call them. You know, what, what do you do? I, oh, um, I go around garages doing what? I said, to go, I go around helping them. Like what? I said, okay, think of someone like Gordon Ramsay who goes in and effing blinds. That's exactly what I do. I say it as it is, <laughs> and I don't, I don't mix my words. So one of the guys said, um, so you're like the hotel inspector. I said, yeah, I'm like the hotel inspector. Yeah, that's it. I'm the garage inspector. But I didn't think nothing of it. Nothing was, nothing was said, or you know, he, he, it's just a comment he made. Yeah. Obviously, we did the filming. When they did the filming, and then it launched on on the on, on, you know it got it got aired on TV. I'm sitting there watching it, and then and then there's me driving up to the unit, and the narrator says, "Oh, this is Andy Sava, one of Yanis's uh, best friends, the garage inspector." Hey! And when I when I when I when I heard it, I thought, you know what? That's that's me. That's that's mine. So the next day, I got I, I, I registered the name. Yeah, I got I got the obviously the .coms .co.uk. I rang up Louise, who does my graphic designing. But I said, Louise, I need a logo, man. This is what yeah. I roughly what I want. I need a logo. Attach the brand, and had it registered, and, and that was the birth of of like by chance. The garage inspector. Yeah, the garage inspector, and and the garage inspector does what he does. He's passionate about helping independent garages. I don't do any retailer work anymore. I find them very. I don't want to go near them. I think there are. I'm not going to tarnish all of them because there are some very good people that work in these establishments. But unfortunately, the people that run them above that are very target based. I don't care about people and emotions. So my time and focus is all on independent businesses. And and that's what I do. I deliver the courses. I do garage visits. I help them with all sorts of stuff. There's nearly just under six hundred people now in my in my little group that we have. And yeah, and we've look, we're launching online now uh, with a new product in, in uh, mid January. And I've got lots more business material that I'm working on, which I'd like to turn into in, into uh, courses and uh, you know and hopefully teach. And what about a book? What about writing? Interesting. A book? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I have an you, interest- You've got it all there if you've written the courses. Yeah. Really, it's just a matter of making it into a book, really, isn't yeah. it? So I don't know. We'll see. I've got I just, you know, there's there's just so much to do at the moment. And yeah. it's just I'm on my the problem I've got, Susan, is that uh, it's just me. There's no one else involved. And sometimes it's overwhelming because you want to yeah. try and respond to everyone's needs. I get inundated with messages, emails from people. I mean, today I've had seven inquiries from people I don't even know from Adam that have seen me on a group or someone's recommended. So you have to deal with those. You have to manage your time, your social time and, and everything else. 
So it does get a little bit difficult. But as long as I keep myself, as I say, fit and, and you know, and I've, I've got the energy and, and, and the willpower, I'll just carry on. So tell me, if you could give three sort of piece of advice to business owners, because yeah. garage, garage um, people are business owners. Yeah. You could give three pieces of advice. What p- three pieces of advice would you give? Right. The first one is I'm hoping that they're passionate about what they're doing. Yeah, that's important. All right, because if you're doing business, yeah, no. you, you cannot be given 40, 50, 60 hours and the stress and the, the the emotional and physical mental stress that comes with being a garage owner or a business owner in that fact, yeah. doing something that you don't enjoy or you it's an arse to go and open the doors and open your, gar- your garage or your fruit stall or your barbers, whatever else. So the first yeah. thing for me is you need to be doing something that you love, yeah. right? The grass is not greener on the other side because every industry has issues. And everyone wants to move into someone else's industry because they think the other industry is better. It's all rubbish. We've all yeah. got issues, right? So the first thing is passion. The second thing is you need to understand the metrics of your business. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's about the exchange of goods and someone else's value as to what they want to pay. 99% of garage owners in this country do not understand how to calculate their cost of doing business because they do they they have no idea. So what what usually happens is they pick a figure, a labor rate that is about right for the given area. You know, so everyone's charging 50, 60 quid an hour. That's what I'm going to charge. I can't charge any more because I get no one through the door. Yeah. Right. So that so that's the th- second thing is to understand the core theme of your of of what it's costing you to be there. Yeah, and, that, and I think and that's, that's relevant for all businesses. All businesses, you know. I think I, that there's a lot of business owners that haven't got a Scooby. They yeah, just absolutely. think as long as I make the sales, yeah, it'll be okay. And but you notice that that's not how we do business because you yeah. need to understand your metrics and you, you need to understand, you know, that the product for a garage anyway, the productivity of a workshop is key, the efficiency of the workshop, because that's where the money is generated in, 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 we, you know, the only commodity that a garage has is time. That's the only thing we're selling. Now we call it labor. We call it knowledge, skill, whatever you want to call it. At the end of the day, that's our commodity. And we have to make money from that because people are buying our knowledge. But I think that's, that's the same for me. Yeah, my commodity is my knowledge and my expertise. That's what I'm selling. So you you can get, I'm sure it's like garages, you can get garages that are, I was going to say shite, but maybe I shouldn't say shite, but are rubbish. And then you get garages that are excellent. And it's the same with accountants. You get accountants. You do, you do. Go through the motions and then you get accountants. Absolutely. And, I, and and so the f- second thing is obviously understanding the metrics of your individual business and also the services that you give, what they're costing you, what you're selling them for, yeah. and, and all those. So we, we obviously cover those extensively in the finance books that we run. And I think the third thing is, that's important for me, is businesses that we're the type of business that we cannot do it without the people. So we need people, right? Yeah. There's not enough good people to go around in the garage sector and, in, in actual fact, in most service sectors, yeah? right. whether yes. it's hospitality, restaurant businesses, we're all struggling because, you know, yeah. for 25 years, everyone said you have to go to uni, you have to go to uni, you have to go to uni, yeah. right? Yeah. So you need to understand that you need to have a good team, but you need to manage them and coach them, and that takes a different element of skill. 
Yes. We can't expect them to come in and do eight, nine hours of work and in, in places that are, excuse my friend, uh, French, shitholes. Yes. Because you can't recruit, you can't retain, you can't attract, right? Yes. So you have to do whatever you can and be different when it comes to your staff and your team members because you cannot do it without them. So yes. there's three things for me. The first thing is passion for what you do, understanding the metrics, and also being a bit more thoughtful and leading and managing in a more effective and having empathy with your team because yeah. it's the only way you're going to create a team ethos that will allow you to to overcome the obstacles that we have every day. Yeah. So I think I think that's relevant for all businesses. Absolutely. So I'm going to ask you some fun questions now. So one of the, I'm not going to answer them all, but when you were little, okay, you've said you had a difficult childhood, but was, I did. There, was there anything that you particularly wanted to be when you were a child? Um, I, 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 I want, when I was at school, I, I think because I gravitated, I gravitated to sports, that was my sort of outlet. Yeah. I wanted to become a PE teacher. Oh, did you? Yeah. So I always had this theory that I was going to become a PE teacher, you know? So when they were, um, when they were pushing you in the direct, I presume it was the school that was saying, go and become a, you know, go into a garage. Why did you not say, no, I want to go and be a PE teacher? I think it was difficult for me because, um, listen, I, le I left without no qualifications. I, and I, I you, you assume a PE teacher doesn't have to have another subject. No. But a, te a PE teacher has to qualify yes. in this subject. As a teacher, yeah. As a secretary, yeah. So that was my, you know, that was, I had no chance. So my skill, my, my career was always going to be hand-based, you know, whether it was plumbing, electrics, you know, you name it. I just got lumbered in the garage sector. Yeah. You know, that was the... That was my. That was what I was chosen to go into, and and I made what I, you know, the best out of it. You know, it so, sounds like you made a very good deal out of it. And it I, also sounds like in years to come, you thought, I don't care if I, I'm going to go and do this degree. I yes. don't have got any qualifications, but I'm going to go and do it. Yeah, and and that was a huge. I mean, for me, that was like you know a huge, huge challenge. And e even you know when I got through the first sort of few months, I still felt like. I weren't going to complete. Yeah. I weren't going to do it. But I did it, and I was chuffed to bits that I did it under the guidance of a, a chap called Professor Jim Saker, who's very well known in our automotive world. And um, I'm I'm very proud of that, you know, graduating at 42, 43 with, with something. So that oh. meant a lot. And I, I think that gave me the, the confidence then to look at business in a completely different way. Yeah. And now I'm using those skills to help others, both practically – yeah, and you know, in a you know theory sort of based. Um, it's very, it's very inspirational, Andy. Very inspirational. Thank you, thank you. So, what would you say is your superpower? Cool. my courage. I think. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I think my courage because I've been in very, 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 very difficult times. Yeah. So I think courage and strength. I don't know where that comes from, but someone must be looking after me up there. Yeah. Yeah. I always say I'm going to get emotional. I always say I'm my mother's. I'm my mother's daughter. That's where yeah. I. Live. Yeah. So, I think you know, my 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 father was a monk. He left my mother when I was six. So maybe he, while he was in the monasteries in Greece, maybe he <laughs> he sent something down to me that you know allowed me to 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 get through my my darkest days. So yeah, yeah, we'll see. Any 
you say that you get overwhelmed and it's stressful and that and I mean we all get overwhelmed and we all yeah. get stressful and yeah. I think that's quite encouraging to hear. Yeah. But do you have a simple pleasure? Do you have something that you just think this is great? I I I like my Greek music. I'm very uh, obviously I come from a Greek background, uh, a separate background rather. So I play the Greek instrument, which is a bazooki. So that's one of my biggest loves. Okay. Uh, I'm a keen golfer and I like road cycling. Obviously, I have my family, my kids, and that you know, without goes without saying. So my 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 sort of me time is is uh, my my Greek bazooki that I play and um my golfing and obviously my road cycling so i try and keep fit and i try and keep focused and yeah it helps me get through my days and do you cook greek food then yes i have a i have a beautiful one of my one of my um pleasures has been barbecuing so about five six years ago five six years ago we built a purposely built barbecue house in the garden it's like a chef's table with all catering equipment you you wouldn't go to the best restaurants in anywhere and find what I've got in there. It's absolutely magnificent. I'm very proud of what I've done there. And um, yeah, so I'm often putting the charcoal on and and, and entertaining. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. Just a shame you're so far away, otherwise. I, I know, I know. <laughs> Bless you. But yeah, so uh yeah, so I do I do my barbecuing. Okay. Okay. Well, it's been really, really good to talk to you. You're very Thank you. inspirational. Thank you very much. I hope the readers take some, uh, my listeners take some inspiration from you because I think you're a real entrepreneur from a very... I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful and I'm, I'm privileged to be on your thing. So where will it be shared? On your In your own little platform, isn't it? It's, well, you get it on Apple, you get it on Spotify. It's Lovely. on all the major podcasts. Lovely. I get, funny enough, my main audience is from America and Canada. Oh, wow. So... I don't know how the You're hell... You're going to make me famous. I don't know how the hell they found me, Andy. No but I've got more people listening to me in America and Canada than I do in Britain. So there, there you go. go. There you go. But I will let you know when it goes live, because it goes to Thank my you. editor, and um, so that if you want to promote it on your social media... Thank you. I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful to have met you and thank you very much for inviting me. Oh, it's it's been a joy. It's been a joy. I've really enjoyed it. Good. Um, and if you knew me, I know nothing about cars. Absolutely <laughs> nothing about cars. You know, if somebody comes to pick me up and they say to me, I'm going to be driving a dat dat dat, I just say, You've got no idea. What colour is the car? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What colour is the car? Yeah, that's I'll tell you a funny want, yeah. story. I was standing waiting for somebody to pick me up. And they said it's a red car and it was late at night and it was dark. And this red car pulled up beside where I was standing, <laughs> just got into it. And then the driver turned to me, this man turned to me and went, what? What? <laughs> what? Oh, my God. And I went, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm drinking oh, something. Susan. <laughs> bless you. And my bless friend was was pulling in behind. Oh, bless you. He said to me, what the hell were you doing? And I went, it's a red car. I just saw a red car and it sort of kind of stopped beside me. Got into the living daylights out of the driver. So, yeah. So it's been a joy. Thank and you. Be, and it'll be good to say to Mark that I've spoken to you. Thank you very much. So my regards. Okay. So bye -bye. you've been listening to Cashflow Lifestyle Podcast. My name's Susan Crichton. 
if you want to get in touch with Andy, how do people get in touch with you? Um, if, if they go to my website, www.thegarageinspector.com, my email's there, my phone number's there, some other information's there, so easily okay. accessible. Okay. Thank you. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.